can you open your word, uh, the word of God, and turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, and we're going to read the first 11 verses together. That day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seeds fell by the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. Now, the Christian hears this parable of the seed, which is a familiar one, but typically, in hearing it, approaches it not as it is first and foremost, that is, as a mystery, as a riddle, but we tend to read it easily as something that's already revealed, as something that's disclosed. And more likely than not, as I was reading this aloud, your mind jumped ahead of the symbols and went on to the explanation that Christ gives us later on in this chapter. That is, that the seed symbolizes the word of God and that the seed is given to four different human conditions. But what we have to do in entering into this passage of Scripture is to understand that first and foremost, Christ was speaking to this large crowd mysteries. And as we will see, for many people that heard him speak, they must have concluded, what does a sower, a seed, a road, rocky places thorns, good soil, and crops have to do with anything. Why did Christ speak this way? That's what his disciples asked. Verse 10, why do you speak to them in parables? And who's them? Well, back in verse 2, and large crowds. He's not just speaking to one or two people. Large crowds gathered to him. Verse 3, and he spoke many things to them in parables. So he spoke about a sower and seed. He spoke also about tares among wheat, a mustard seed, leaven. And all the while he spoke, large crowds of people heard him 
saw him, but they would never understand. Most of them would never understand the words that he was speaking. But then he turns aside from them to his disciples, and he says, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has to him more will be given. And that's the state of the Christian. The Lord grants you access to truth, and there is growth. There's the harvest, and he will have an abundance. But, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. The crowds left with empty words ringing in their ears, and even that faded away. Well, the first point that has to be made is not, a is not an easy point from this passage. The point is, first here, that God intentionally hides truth from men because it is not given to them. To them, it has not been granted. He says in verse 13, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. It reminds me of John 6, 65, No one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. No one can approach the Father of his own accord. And Christ here denies access, not just to one or two people, but to large crowds of people. The Mark account of this, of this event says, To you... Christ talking to the disciples, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, they get everything in parables. So they get everything, but ultimately they get nothing. Those inside Christ get everything. Those outside get nothing. And that is the state of the person who is outside of Christ. He's divorced from truth. Um, this passage also is very similar to Isaiah 29, 11. You don't have to turn there, but in Isaiah 29, it says, The entire vision will be to you like the words of a sealed book, which when they give it to the one who is literate, saying, Please read this. He will say, I cannot, for it is sealed. Then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate, saying, please read this. And he will say, I cannot read. This seems cruel, doesn't it? You take a book and you give it to someone. It's not just a book containing some things that are true, but it represents those things which will keep a man from hell. And you give it to this man, and you say, well, go on and read it. But he can't because the book is locked to him. And you, well, oh, that's a shame. Let me take it back, and I'll open it up, and I'll give it to you over here. But I'm giving it to you intentionally because I know you can't read. And you say, tell me what it says. And, of course, they can't tell you anything in it. It's, uh, it seems like God is unjust. 
But the reason for this is fleshed out in that chapter in Isaiah. It says, they remove their hearts from me. This people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts from me. Just like these people, as we'll see. They, gave, they came to Christ to hear, like it talks about in Luke, the gracious words that were falling from his mouth. But they didn't really want the truth. We'll see that. Well, the result of Isaiah is that the wisdom of wise men perish and the discernment of discerning men is concealed. So literally, God limits the ability of the mind to apprehend truth. Well, if the first point here is that God intentionally hides truth from men because it's not given to them, the second point is that God intentionally hides truth from men because they don't want it. It was true in Isaiah, and it's true here in Matthew 13. It always seems wrong. It always is unsettling when we think that God keeps a man from heaven until you find out that the man wants to go to hell. And amazingly, Christ here explains the sovereignty of God in terms of human significance, in terms of human accountability. And let's read here what Christ cites, starting in verse 14. He says, in their case, or literally for them, so on their Behalf, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. Why? For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. I think the word otherwise there is pretty striking. If only they would open their eyes to the fact that the Son of God is here speaking to them, then they, repentance would be granted. Then they truly would return to me, and I would heal them. But the bottom line is they won't open their eyes because they don't want to see. Therefore, they will keep on hearing all the words I have to say. And all the while, the hearing is completely dissociated from an understanding of the truth. As this passage goes on, what we see is an ever-widening gulf that is formed between these large crowds of people and his disciples, or between the world and the Christian. So for the, for the large crowd, it has not been granted to know anything. You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. But for the Christian, there is always the glorious Clause. In verse 16, Christ turns to his disciples and says, But 
blessed are your eyes. And that's not just something like we would say. You know, this is the Son of God. He is proclaiming blessing on his disciples. Blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. Now, I think this is very amazing because up to this point, his disciples still don't know the meaning of the, of the parable that he's given. Right? But in real time, it's like Christ is pausing and saying, this is great. It's like Christ is exalting in his own sovereignty there at that moment, saying, this is amazing because you belong to me. And even though you don't know at this moment, your eyes are open because I've blessed them already. Your ears are open, and now, you're, get ready for this, I'm going to disclose to you the truth. That's what happens here. So, blessed are your eyes, because they see in your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Now, notice the emphasis on the word hear in this passage. Verse 9, he turns to the crowd and says, He who has ears, let him hear. Then in verse 14, You, the crowds, will keep on hearing, but will not understand. To the disciples, blessed are ultimately your ears. Uh, verse 17, uh, hear what you hear and did not hear it. And then truth revealed to the disciples in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. So the blessing is given and then the command is given to hear and truth is revealed. And then Christ goes in and explains to them that the seed taken by the birds represents the word snatched away by the devil from those who hear but do not understand. And he talks about the seed sown in rocky places, which is the man who hears but with superficial emotion receives the word, but then affliction and persecution come and he falls away. And he talks about the seed among thorns, which is the man who hears but cares more for the world than he does for the word, which is then completely choked out. So he talks about three different human conditions, which ultimately are all the same. Because these are all people who have heard the truth, but it was not joined with understanding. Like it says in Hebrews 4.2, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Because ultimately, we're not talking about some intellectual prowess, mapping something out, getting the integral of something. We're talking about supernaturally truth being revealed to the soul of man. Those who are outside are always learning something, like it says in Second Timothy, always learning but never able to come 
to the knowledge of the truth. You know, the image of God is stamped on them. So they hear these things, and all the while, it's a hint of something vaguely familiar. But they're never able to quite see. They're never able to quite quite hear because the mystery exists still for them because the mystery has not been granted to them. But those who are inside Christ get everything. So he talks about the seed then, which is sown on good soil. And this is amazing because the soil, of course, represents the human condition. And we're not good, but God calls us good, so we must be good. <laughs> Luke 8 talks about an honest and a good heart. So you see, God goes ahead of the seed, prepares the heart to receive the word implanted that saves the soul. And hearing is combined with understanding when the seed is joined with the good soil. And as a result, a harvest is born. So that's obedience to Christ. Some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Well, then Christ gives to to the crowds... More parables, the tares, the wheat, the mustard seed, the leaven. And in verse 34 of Matthew 13, it says, All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet And he quotes Psalm 78. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. And that's very interesting because in one sense you see that there is nothing that the Son of God said that was not shrouded in mystery for the minds of those people there. But he says in the same word, I am fulfilling this psalm which says that I, am dis- that I am proclaiming things hidden. Well, in verse 36, it says, He then left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. So the crowd is left outside, out of Christ. Here, the disciples are in the house, separate from the crowds, intimate, in the secret place. They've come to Christ, and he explains to them the meaning of that parable, and and then others are given, the parable of the hidden treasure, the costly pearl, the dragnet. And at the end of it all, Christ turns to them, and this is amazing, in verse 51, Christ turns to them, and he doesn't ask them, have you heard what I have said? He says, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes. And that is always the testimony of the Spirit of God to the believer. Now, I am not saying that we know everything. But what I am saying is that for the Christian, the witness of the Spirit of God within you is such that The word of God is real enough to the mind that they're not just words that are spoken. It is truth revealed. Ultimately, the mystery is Jesus Christ 
That's what Paul talks about in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 4. He talks about his insight into the mystery of Christ. Well, these are, are glorious and hard things, but things that we need to hear. How many of us have heard glorious, glorious truths from this place week after week? Truths falling upon our ears. That doesn't mean anything. Is there understanding? There will never be understanding unless it's granted from the Lord. And um, I think Scripture leaves us with the question, are our eyes open? Do we want to know these things? There is no one who asks that's turned away. Everyone who asks receives. That's a glorious, glorious promise. Well, may the Lord make us hearers of the word, those who understand the word, and then those who obey the word and bear fruit. Amen.